All right. Well, hey, I am, um, like I said, these testimonies are great, kind of tee up into our kind of two-part new series that I'm about to start. It's called Disciple. Everybody say Disciple. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll explain it in just a minute here. Um, but we are going to be talking in a sense about the Great Commission, which some of you guys are familiar with. It's from Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's literally the only passage or the main passage I'm going to read today. Uh, we'll talk about God's call for us to be a disciple, but also to make disciples. But before I do that, uh, some of you guys know, if you're you know, members here and been around the summer, this is my first time preaching in like 12 weeks, all right? So I got a lot to say, but I'm going to try to say it in about 30 minutes, okay? But first, guys, we had, uh, this summer was so incredible. We did uh, what we called Summer in the Psalms. So we had a little reading plan, reading through all the Psalms. Uh, it took us about two and a half, three months. But we also had some in-house communicators, some people within our church body that were up here for the last 11 or 12 weeks sharing different messages. And I just want to honor those folks. So if you're one of those 11 or 12 that gave a message, will you please just stand on up? We wanted to say, yeah, way to go. Come on, stand up, stand up. Woohoo! Victor's up there. All right. Awesome. Thank you guys for sharing the wealth that's within you and imparting it to our church body. It was a great experience. Okay, guys. In, something that I was saying almost before every one of their messages kind of stuck with me because a lot of them it was their first time preaching. And it just made me start thinking about this moment here on our church services, like this message portion. And what I was saying when they would preach was, hey, you know, some of them are nervous. It's their first time up here. So, so don't be sitting in your chair just like thinking if it's a good sermon or not. It, I was directing us to God wants to say something to us every time we're in his house and every time we open his word. And like turn your attention to what the Holy Spirit is speaking and doing inside of you. What is he highlighting? Because you guys know I've done it plenty of times, especially in a new setting. I'll kind of just be, what I'm doing is actually just evaluating the setting or evaluating the worship team or evaluating the preacher or whatever. But I just want you to know this house, I want all eyes on Jesus. I want all eyes on him. We're not dependent on like one communicator or a leader or a person. We are here for Jesus and believe that he wants to speak. He wants to move. And one of my favorite things I love to pray almost every Sunday before I preach is this little uh, line from 2 Corinthians 2. Paul says, hey, I'm not coming to you guys, the Corinthian church, with eloquent words and persuasive speech. What I want to come in is a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. That's what I'm coming in. And I pray that almost every Sunday before I share and just want you to know that this, this is my heart when you guys are here. Of course, during worship, man, I want, I want us to engage with him. I want us to encounter him in his presence. I want us to give him the worship that he deserves. But even as we're hearing these different messages, you know, like you, so many of you will say, hey, good message, Mitchell. And I'll say thank you. That's what I'll say. But it's like what I'm really interested in is what is God doing in you? What is he speaking to you? How are you going to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in you? And what I would want more than you to be impressed with what I'm saying or how I'm saying it is I want you gripped with the Holy Spirit. I want your heart burning with his fire. Because, and even right now, some of you are like, yeah, I want more of God and I feel something inside. Yes, that's what I want because that's what changes things. Not just a dynamic communicator or whatever. Because you're going to find a thousand more better preachers than me just with two clicks on your phone, okay? But it's like, but you're here in this house in the presence of God. Literally, God says that this house is supposed to be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. 
Ephesians 2. This is the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. So obviously, he's got to be working. He's got to be moving. And all I'm going to encourage us and exhort us to do is let's just stay wide open and say, Lord, come meet with me. Come speak to me. Come do whatever you want to do in me. Does that make sense? That's our heart here. It's my heart. just want to share that with you. So let me pray and ask the Lord to have his way as we jump into this disciple series. So Lord, we open up to you. Thank you so much for what you've already done this morning. But right now, I'm asking for myself, for everybody in this room, Lord, give us open and receptive hearts. Not a single one of us, God, are here by accident today. Holy Spirit, have your way. Come and touch us. Come and speak to us. You're so gentle. You're so powerful. God, if you need to correct, would you correct? If you need to comfort, would you comfort? If you need to encourage, would you encourage? Lord, do whatever you want to do in us today. We are open. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Are right, you guys ready? Told you I got a lot to say. All right, so disciple. Everybody say disciple again. All right, so this we're going to do two weeks, uh, this week and next week. And um, really, the word disciple, it's a noun and it's a verb, or at least the way that we use it here at our church, okay? So it's a noun. It's like we want to learn to be a disciple, but also we want to learn what it means to make disciples or to disciple. Now, why am I talking about this? A couple things. One, um, more people are coming. Did you guys know that this weekend, thousands of 18, 19, uh, some 17-year-olds just moved to Northwest Arkansas for the first time? Like thousands. Some of you are like, oh, dear. I am not getting on the roads. <laughs> some of them are awesome. Some of them can drive. <laughs> Okay, also this time of year, you know, there's a lot of people that move over the summer. They're starting new rhythms, school starting, you know, there's just new families. I mean, even some of you, you know, there's probably at least 10 or so folks that saw walk in. It's your first time here. So, I mean, welcome. And so just in light of the reality of this um, part of the year, you know, it's like people are coming. And I want us to, to know, like, all right, one of the responsibilities of the people of God, according to the command of Jesus, is to be a part of making disciples to be a disciple, but also to make disciples. So people are coming, and I want us to be ready to engage in disciple making. Another thing is really, especially this is probably important for you guys to know if you're new here, but this is who we are as a church. This is a mandate that I believe God's putting on the Antioch movement. If we say movement. Antioch is part of a larger you know, network of relationships of other Antioch churches throughout the U.S. and around the world, if you didn't know that. And um, really, we are at, it, at our core, we are a discipleship-based movement. Like everything we do, we're not event-driven, we're not program-driven, we're not even class-driven, not even Sunday service-driven. Of course, this is a crucial part of what we do, but we are discipleship-oriented, which means life-on-life, close relationship, encouraging and challenging one another in our pursuit of God. This is who we are, and I think it's important for me at the beginning of this new school year to remind us of who we are. We are disciple-making people. And the last but certainly not least, the reason I'm talking about discipleship is because of the command of Jesus. One of the most clearest commands about kind of uh, what to do or what he wants us to do as a people of God, kind of the external side of ministry. Of course, he wants us to love him and be pure before him and love others, but there's a mission that he's given us, and it's found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. I'm going to read this. This is really the main passage I'm reading this morning, but it'll also be on the screen. This is commonly referred to as, anybody know? The Great Commission. Here's why I'm talking about this is because Jesus did. 
Here we go. Matthew 8, uh, 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey or observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How many of you guys have heard that verse, that scripture before? Just raise your hand real quick. Okay, a lot of us have. Some of us haven't. That's totally fine. And I want you to first, as you think about this, this is maybe a new way to look at this. I want you to not put yourself in the shoes of the disciples right here, at least at first. Because were any of you guys at that conversation with Jesus? No. All right, we weren't there. <laughs> Thank you. I want you to put yourself in like our shoes right now, which is about 2,000 years after Jesus said this to a group of 11 guys. Because I think it's important to know, like, this is what Jesus wanted these guys to do. He wanted them to walk out in authority, but he wanted them to preach the gospel, to baptize people, and to teach them the commands of Jesus. So hopefully you're connecting these dots here. Think about this kind of on a receiving end first. 2,000 years later, this was the instructions that Jesus gave to his guys. So have I been one to be the recipient of this passage? Have I heard the gospel? Have I been baptized? Have I said, I'm in for Jesus? And am I, am I learning to obey the commands of Jesus? Like this passage says. Does that make sense? I think that's the best first way to think about it. But then, if you are a believer, you are a follower of Jesus, you are a part of his kingdom, which I know many of us, you have put your faith and trust in Jesus already, praise God. You can also hear this as if you're standing in this conversation as well, and there is an application to that. Okay, now I want to go, and I want to make disciples and baptize and teach people the commands of Jesus. You guys seen it that twofold way? All right. And you can continue to think about it that way. But let me, before I keep going, let me give you a couple definitions that I think will be helpful. These are very simple definitions, but I think they could be helpful, and they'll be on the screen. So, again, a noun and a verb, at least in the way that we use it. So, as a noun, disciple, what I mean is one who loves and follows Jesus for a lifetime. We love him, literally, by just connecting our heart and our affection, our passion for him. But also, we, we follow him. Like in our footsteps and our actions and the way that we live. We want to obey his commands. But to disciple kind of as a verb, look at the wording here. It's intentional. Walking closely with others. Everybody say closely. Walking closely with others to help them love and follow Jesus for a lifetime. All right? Is this making sense? Nod your head if it's pretty simple, right? I'll try to keep it pretty simple. Now, there's so much depth to these phrases and these definitions, and honestly, there's so much coaching that goes into what does it mean to be a disciple, what does it mean to disciple, uh, hence the word lifetime on there. It's a lifelong journey, all right? And um, I'm going to give, you know, today it'll be a little bit of an overview. Some of this will be like, oh, that's practically pretty helpful, but mainly I want to stir us uh, to consider saying yes again. Many of you have said yes to this call to be a disciple and to go and make disciples. Some of us, you're kind of like in the in-between, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, but all of us, I would say, there's an invitation from the Lord to say yes again. Like, let's say yes again to be a part of this uh, discipleship movement that Jesus started a couple thousand years ago. Anybody already ready to say yes? Yep. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So... Let me dive into this. Today, I'm going to focus in actually on the second one, which is to disciple, okay? And um, 
because I want us to first be thinking about engaging in this, this mission. And then next week, I'll go much more in-depth about what does it mean to actually be a disciple, okay? And, and there's a lot to that, but hopefully it will be super helpful next week. And they'll kind of, um, they'll play off each other, these messages. All right, but first, let me tell you this story. There's a friend of mine, and he's a pastor uh, within the Antioch movement. Um, he's in San Antonio, Texas, named Kirk Freeman. And some of you guys know him, just awesome man of God. But he uh, told this story years ago, and he was pastoring a church. He's been, he was pastoring it for years, maybe over a decade at this point. And it, they were reaching people, making disciples, and it was growing church. Hundreds of people. I don't know if it was over 1,000, but just lots of people they were reaching. And he was spending time with God one day and just seeking the Lord on, like, what is God saying about the church? And he has this kind of, you know, imagination as he's praying, kind of his picture in, in his mind. And the picture was this. He got in front of his church, like on a Sunday service setting, and he had his arm around a guy, and this guy was a brand new believer. He just gave his life to Jesus, okay? So like off the streets, like didn't grow up in church, didn't know much, but he said, yes, I believe the gospel and I want to follow him. And in this kind of picture, Kirk is asking his church, saying, hey, this guy just gave his life to Jesus. Can any of you guys disciple him helping him grow in his relationship with God to a point where he also can go and make other disciples? That was his question in the church, to the church. And unfortunately, in this image, he was looking out in the crowd, and nobody raised their hand. So in a sense, he felt the emotion of you know, grief, or like, ouch. And then he kind of imagines Jesus looking at him in the eyes, and without condemnation, but looking Kirk in the eyes and saying, Kirk, this is your job. Teach your people how to make disciples. So that story has really stood out to me because that is something I feel an urgency in as a pastor and as a leader. And, you know, we're in this setting where over 100, about 150 of you are just staring at me. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else want to come up here? I mean, here you go. Um, I just, my job according to Ephesians 4 at least, some of you know this passage, for pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, you know, to equip the saints or the people of God for the work of ministry. And man, that just, that is stuck out with me is I want to build a culture where we're not dependent on a person, not dependent on a stage, not dependent on that, but we are all activated in the mission of God. And guess what, guys? Don't check out because here's the deal. You come alive when you are activated in being an actual believer that's equipped for ministry. You were made for this. There is something inside of you that longs to not just sit on the sideline and watch all these holy people that go to Colombia and Ukraine do the work of ministry. There's something inside of you that says, I want it too. Now, there's fear in the way. There's insecurity in the way. Okay, there's lies in the way, of course. Which, of course, Stephen and Olivia had to face all of those things. But if the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you're a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, he is tugging on you and me to engage in this amazing movement called discipleship, disciple-making. You were made for this. We come alive when we are say yes to this command. Once you look at your neighbor and say, you were made for this, say it like you mean it. And in fact, let me say it a different way. We, we actually, we need every believer engaged in this. You know, Ephesians 4, I, I don't have it on the screen right now, but uh, you can reference this later. It goes on after it says to pastors and leaders and teachers and all that stuff to equip the saints. 
he goes on to talk about the body of Christ, and there's these phrases in there, and the whole point is talking about the body of Christ being mature, being alive, being full of life. How many of you guys want to be a part of a body that is alive, full of life? Yes? Awesome. You guys do. So God, I just, <laughs> all right, bless them, Lord. Send them out, God. All right, so do you. I, I know you do too. You're just not fiery college students ready. All right. Um, Ephesians 4 goes on to talk about the maturity of the body and the health of the body, but it's this couple phrases in there. It's like we become mature and healthy by what every joint or what every part contributes. And I love this because there is like the brilliance of God in this design of everyone contributing, especially with the topic of disciple making. Like it is the wisdom of God that we don't just rely on a, a few single anointed preachers and leaders to bring the kingdom of God. There is the wisdom and brilliance of God in empowering every single believer to make disciples. And let me show you this with a little bit of um, math, okay? There's a little diagram I'm going to show you, several of them, because I want you to see the power of this, all right? So on this uh, screen, this first one, um, I'm going to explain a little bit about kind of the difference between kind of addition and multiplication. Got any math folks out there? A few of you? Awesome. My wife, math nerd. All right. Um, and let's say, uh, so with the addition, what I mean is like a single individual is sharing the gospel a lot, and they're seeing some people come to know Jesus. Now, how many of you guys know that's amazing? You guys know that's amazing? That's amazing. If you're an individual person gifted in evangelism, and you have this grace to share the gospel and see lots of people saved, that is amazing. So let me assume that we've got this anointed evangelist, all right, and he is like every year he's sharing the gospel faithfully, and he sees a thousand people come to the Lord in one year. Look, look, we'll put that number on there. I think it's on there. Oh, in one year, and then each preceding year, there's another thousand that get added to the kingdom of God. Wouldn't this be amazing? Okay, so in 10 years, how many people are in the kingdom now? 10,000. Isn't that great? But let me show you this idea of multiplication and specifically with disciple making. Okay? So let's say there's one person, and that person is committed to, Lord, I want to disciple two people. This year, you know, from, let's say, I'm going to bring it home right here. From August 2023 to August 2024, Lord, give me two. Two people to invest in, to walk with closely, like that definition, walk with them closely to help them love and follow you, Jesus, for a lifetime. All right? So in the first year, that would be three total people involved in this. All right? And that looks pretty small compared to the first chart, right? But I want you to assume something for a second. I'll go kind of section by section. If after that first year, all three of those people say, I'm going to sign up again. I'm going to say yes again in the mission of God. I'm going to say yes again to disciple making. And all three of those people, they're not just receiving, but all three of them are also saying yes. I'm going to disciple two people. The first guy is going to disciple two other people again, and then the other two guys are going to disciple. How many total disciples would that be? Nine. <laughs> okay, you got the original three, and then two, four, six. Tracking? Ah, there you go. All right, all the other guys are like, you know, whatever. English majors, not math. All right. Okay, now let's keep going. Let's say all those nine, because they're really growing in their maturity and love for Jesus, and they're committed to his word, and even though it's difficult and it's fearful sometimes and it's scary and it's uncomfortable, I still want to be a disciple maker. I'm in it, not for myself, but for the sake of others knowing Jesus. And let's say those, those nine people all say it again. Does anybody know the next number? Eight, it would be, watch this, be 27, 
then 81, then 243, 729. Oh, getting closer. All right, look at the end of that chart there. Now, this is a long-term game. But look at the dramatic impact at the 10-year mark if the people of God take seriously this command to go out and make disciples. Like, the impact is great. And it is really the wisdom of God to not just anoint people to share the gospel, anoint people to evangelize, but also it is the wisdom of God to anoint us as his people, though we're weak and we're broken, and though sometimes people come up here and share testimonies. It's like those, they're just normal human beings. But if we say yes to this invitation to make disciples, the impact is great, especially when we all say yes. Let's think about this room, okay, about 150 people. Let's say by the grace of God, we're like, Lord, yes, give us two. Give us two disciples. Okay, that's a lot of people that are invited in to learning how to follow Jesus just in northwest Arkansas. Somebody else can do that math. (laughs) You guys seen this? But the power of it, the weight of it comes when everybody engages. All right? I love that chart. It's really helpful. Now, does this mean that evangelism is bad, that crusades are bad, that doing a big outreach is bad? No, of course not. But there's a lot of weight and power and influence in disciple making. All right, let me shift gears to go a little bit more practical. And we were coming a little bit to a close, um, so just in about an hour. Uh, (laughs) So let me talk about, if we're talking about disciple making, I'm going to assume you're tracking with me so far, and there's a little bit of like a willingness, and you're like, okay, I think I want to be a part of this. Let me talk more specific about the who and the what, because those are really important things about who then am I going to consider to disciple and then what do we actually do or talk about, and how do I do that? Now, this is not, not going to be enough, like a full training on discipleship. It's ongoing coaching and training. Let's talk about the who for a second. Now, um, of course, there's people within our church body. You know, some of you guys have been following the Lord for a while. Some of you have been following the Lord for a little bit. Some of you are still on this journey of figuring out if Jesus is worth following or not. And that's totally fine where you are. But, of course, we can disciple within the church, and we do highly encourage that. Like, if you're not in a life group yet, our life groups are pretty much house churches, and we help facilitate discipleship relationships through those life groups. Okay? And, of course, if you're a parent, you need to think about discipling your own children as, like, the highest priority. Okay? But I want to... It takes out a little bit. I want you to think about Northwest Arkansas, and I want, to, I want you to think about the people that are around you. Let me introduce to you this idea. Some of you know this, but this idea of spheres. Everybody say spheres. All right? Okay, and so there's a little diagram that helps show this about just the, the beauty of the church. Like all of us are here gathered in one place, hearing a message, getting in the presence of God together, praying, seeking God. But from today, all of us go out to different, quote-unquote, spheres. So you see it on this chart. You got Jesus and his people. But then there's like these uh, different circles that some of us are in, okay? Obviously, education. We just prayed for a lot of teachers or people that are going into school, okay? College students, I'd put you in that category as well. You're in your university. Okay, a lot of you guys have businesses that you're either running or that you're working for, you're in that business sphere. Now, of course, there's, you know, plenty that you could go in multiple of these circles, but I want you to see this picture because I want to share with you kind of the idea of spheres and the wisdom of God that all of us are going out into these places. And our hope and our goal is to bring God's presence, to bring the gospel, to bring the kingdom of God with us everywhere that we're going. Let me, I'm going to read a little excerpt from this um, book. It's called Passion and Purpose. Some of you guys have read this before. Some of you haven't. It's written by Jimmy Seibert. He's the founder of the Antioch Movement. And uh, it just tells the story of what God's done over the last couple of decades. And it's really, it's an invitation to 
to the church, the body of Christ at large, just, hey, what could it look like for us to be like the, the church in the book of Acts? So really stirring. But let me read this little uh, excerpt here. So he talks about, you can keep that chart up there. He talks about the impact here. And in the context of what I'm about to read, he's talking about being an ambassador for Christ. Nod your head if you're familiar with that term, ambassador for Christ. Okay, it's from 2 Corinthians 5. Here's what he says. He says, your job might feel like a dead end, but your role as an ambassador is not. Imagine what would happen if every believer actually lived this way. If through both our words and deeds, we sought to actively represent Christ to our sphere of influence. Our cities would be dramatically transformed, not by any one person, but by each person doing his or her part. Throughout history, the church has been a leader in the transformation of every area of society. From social issues such as abolishing slavery, to pioneering education for all people, to creating access to health care for the sick, to building godly businesses, establishing righteous government. When the word of God and the people of God are in sync, there is no end to seeing his kingdom come. Isn't that great? Isn't that stirring? And that's, that's who we want to be, is bringing his kingdom everywhere that we go. So for you guys, I'm going to bring it home. Start thinking right now, and if you're taking notes, see several of you are. Start thinking of individual people. Start thinking of names of coworkers. Start thinking of names of neighbors. Start thinking of classmates and your universities. Start thinking, if you're a teacher, think of some of your students by name. And just begin to, um, begin to dream with God. Begin to pray for God to touch those, those people. You know, for me, um, I think of my coworkers, and thankfully, they're all saved. Okay? Because I work at the church. Larry is a man of God. Awesome. He's following Jesus. But I think of other places that I go. I think of the, some of the workers at Starbucks. I think of, you know, I spend some time on these college campuses, JBU and U of A, and it's about to start. And I'm thinking of, Lord, I pray for some incoming freshmen. God, would you help me meet them and, and invite them into following you? So just be thinking at the end of this service, there's going to be space for you guys to write down a couple names of people to be praying for. All right, but now if you've got people and you've got someone willing to meet up, what do you do if someone says, yes, meet with me? Now, the first conversation is probably not going to be, yes, will you please disciple me and teach me to obey all the commands of Jesus? Like, that's probably not the first meeting, especially if they're new to, um, to Jesus. But I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a helpful resource or framework for what to talk about um, when you are meeting with someone in disciple making. For some of you, this might be like, okay, this is too much right now, but some of you are like, this will be a really helpful tool, at least for later, okay? So let me take you back to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and let me show you a couple things. You can put that verse back up there. Okay, just look at a couple pieces here, and we'll pull out three things, because this is what Jesus is telling us in the context of making disciples. There's three things I want you to see, okay? Um, one is baptize, baptize them. Okay. Another one is he highlights uh, teaching to obey. And what are we obeying? The commands of Jesus. Okay. So with baptize, that, inf- that reply- implies someone receiving and responding to the gospel to the point where they are willing to be baptized as a public declaration that my, li- my old life is dead and gone and I'm raised to new life in Christ. All right? If you're in this room and you've never been baptized before or maybe you've never... Uh, since actually pursuing Jesus, like actually made that public declaration that, hey, I want my old life to be dead and I want to raise a new life, then please come talk to us after the service. We do baptisms every couple months here and we would love to get you baptized. But let's focus in on the commands of Jesus. Where do you think we could find the commands of Jesus? Any guesses? The, you got it, church. The Bible. Amazing. Awesome. So not too complicated. So when you're walking with someone, this is very general, but if you want to teach them to obey the commands of Jesus, have a Bible with you. Got it? 
Okay, some of you got it on your phone. It's great. But let me hone in on this phrase, teaching to obey, or teaching to observe, because that's a little bit different than just teaching. Right now, what I'm primarily doing is teaching you guys. But I'm not, I'm, I'm calling you to action, trying to activate you, stir you up, but I'm not really teaching to obey. Teaching to obey would mean, like this week, I, I, you and I go out to lunch together on U of A's campus, like I'm going to do, and we sit down with somebody, and we talk, get to know them, their name, and ta- start talking to them about Jesus, and see if they're open and hungry to want to learn more. That would be teaching to obey, to actually activate and follow through with some of these commands. Is this making sense? You see the difference there? So teaching is not bad, but what Jesus is particularly saying is teach to obey. So walk closely with people, show them the way to do it, and we see the fruit. Now, in regards to the word teach, don't be intimidated by that. It doesn't look like a microphone. It looks like opening scripture, reading it, and asking what somebody thinks. Okay? And then, honestly, the majority of of it is just good question asking. There's a framework that we use for a lot of our discipleship groups that I'm going to put on the screen. It's this framework of kind of three different areas that we want to check in on because they're related to the commands of Jesus. It's a very summarized framework, but it's helpful to remember. And it's these three, three words, up, in, and out. Everybody say up and out. Great. So up talks about all the commands that are in there about our relationship with God, our connection with him, seeking him, praying, receiving his love. So it talks about in our just our, our relationship with the Lord. Okay, and talks about like what's going on inside of your world. Wait, you can, you can uh, go back to that frame. I'll break down those questions just a second. So in talks about our world, like what's going on inside of us? Is there any sin we're wrestling with and struggling with? Is there anything we're deeply processing and trying to decide? So we're getting insight into that because there's a lot of scripture about the health of the inside of us. Okay, and then out is talking about like who are we reaching out to? Who else are we praying for? Who else um, are we trying to care for and help follow Jesus? There's a lot of commands in the word of God about that, all right? And then each of those, you can put up the uh, questions. You can snag, snag pictures of this if you want, but we will also make a resource. Well, Lindsay, we'll make a resource in a couple weeks um, to get this out to you guys so that you can, you can have it. But with up, you know, you're asking questions, like I said, about your connection with Jesus, getting good time with him, okay, talking about if there's anything God's speaking to you, and you're asking, hey, is there any way I can help you? Uh, in your relationship with God. Within, like I said, there's things going on on the inside. Hey, is, uh, how are you really doing? Anything you've been processing? Any sin to confess? How's your relationships with others going? And how do you want me to pray for you? So caring for the people that you're meeting with. And then out, like I said, is talking about ministering to others. Who's on your radar? What are, who are some people that you're thinking about that you want to pray for and come to know Jesus? And are you meeting up with anybody? And then even spending time, you'll see that at the very end, spending time praying right then and there for those people. Is this making sense? Nod your head a little bit, if it is. Hopefully super helpful as well, very practical. Awesome. All right, well, hey, the band, go ahead and come on up. Let me close out with just a couple of things. And one is, if we do say yes to this invitation to disciple making, we need to think about two things. What will it take? And is it worth it? All right? The answer to the second question hopefully is obvious. The answer is yes, it's worth it. But what, it'll take something, and it will require something, but it'll also cost something. And let me show you this verse in 2 Timothy 2. 2. It's another passage that we look at when we think about discipleship. And it's really simple, but just know that Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, and Timothy was a leader of a church. Here's what Paul says. Hey, he says, What you, Timothy, have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust it to faithful men, 
who will be able to teach others also. Now, I wish I had a whiteboard up here. I can show you the, the, the kind of how this is passed off. But there are four different groups of people there, which is a great picture of how discipleship is never supposed to stop. It starts with Paul. Okay. He was investing in Timothy. Okay. What does it say next? Timothy was investing in or told to entrust to faithful men. That's number three. And then those faithful men were also supposed to teach others. So I love this passage because it kind of gives a picture of, hey, this is invitation to keep spreading the gospel, keep making disciples. Like that chart I showed you earlier, man, there is power when it keeps going. But I also want you to know what this verse that I think is really about discipleship, I want you to see what this verse is surrounded by. Because I don't want you to miss this, especially if you're in this room, you're like, I want to engage in this. Verse 1 of 2 Timothy 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If you want a chance to be a part of making disciples, you're going to need the strength and grace of the Lord. Amen? And if you say yes to this journey, there's also a cost. Look at the very next verse, verse 3. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Everybody say suffering. Not your favorite word, I'm sure. He goes on to say, hey, no soldier, soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him, so it will also require focus. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules, so it requires discipline and integrity and honesty to be a part of this. Verse 6, it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crop. So it's a lot of seed sowing like a farmer would do. And then verse 7, I love this closing to this passage. <laughs> Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So that's what I leave you with today, church. The Lord will give you understanding in how to make disciples. All right. Well, hey, it's, it's worth the journey. Let me honor actually a few people. There's a few folks about four years ago. They were following Jesus um, in a different city, and they decided, you know what? It's worth it to keep going in disciple-making. It's worth it to keep, I've already made some disciples, but it's worth it to say yes again. And that's a group of about 15 or so people that moved with me and my family from um, College Station, Texas, to come up here and start this church about four years ago. If you're one of those people, we just stand up. Can we give these people a hand? Come on, stand up if you're one of those folks. So if you up there, here, here, there. Awesome. I want to take a seat. Thank you guys for saying yes. And so it looks a lot of different ways. It looks a lot of different contexts. But, you know, like this church wouldn't exist if a few people didn't say yes to this invitation of disciple making. And just who knows, guys, with all of your potential yeses, who knows who or what is on the other side of your yes? Let's try to close out the story of a guy named Jason because, you know, there's just so much joy. It is, this journey is so worth it, even though multiple, so many times it's difficult. It's so worth it because you get to see God work in people that you invest in. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And I just think of so many guys, you know, here that, you know, how to, you, don't, you don't take credit for it. You know, it's God that causes the growth. But it's beautiful to see that I had a little part to play and someone's really walking with the Lord. So I think of this guy named Jason I've mentioned a few times, he was actually here in town a couple months ago, and I uh, met him his freshman year of college. At that time, I was a college pastor, and a few, I invited a couple older college students to start or plant a brand new life group on campus with me. 
And it was the first experiment with that, uh, but felt prompted by the Lord to go out and do it. And what we decided to do is a risk, but we decided to go like focus in on one particular dorm on this campus. And we decided we didn't have a place to meet, so we met outside in the courtyard of this little dorm. That that's risky. <laughs> All right. And um, it was messy, but it was beautiful. I remember we would worship. We'd bring this like speaker out there and blast it really loud, and we would worship out in the open. There'd be like five of us there at first. One week it was it was packed out. We had eleven people there. It was awesome. Literally one of the weeks after life group in us worshiping, we go back to that same courtyard and there's signs everywhere that says no amplified music. <laughs> it's like, oh, perfect. This is a great start to our relationship with this dorm. Um, so it was messy, but I still remember the night, a couple weeks into starting this, that Jason, he's walking from a little a bit of a distance and it looks like he's walking towards the courtyard because a lot of people would just walk by us. And uh, I was like, oh, my goodness, I think he's coming. And he's a guy. I'm really praying for guys to come to this thing. I'm sick and tired of leading a girl's Bible study. Anyway, so <laughs> he's walking. I just, I just, I still remember the first interaction. Just shake his hand. Thanks for coming. Probably gave him a hug. I'm so glad you're here. And um, he was just, he was hungry for the Lord. The Lord sent him. And he was, um, he was a believer, but just young in his faith, but hungry. You know, hungry for more. And I remember I started doing this uh, discipleship group with him and a couple other guys, and we would talk about, hey, how do we read the Bible? How do we connect with God? You know, how do we say no to sin in our life and get some breakthrough and some healing? And he just kept responding and responding and responding, and he would get, he would get breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. And it's just so beautiful to see. But now it's like he's married, he's got kids, and he's not only himself pursuing the Lord, but he's leading his wife and his family in the things of God's kingdom. And not only that, throughout the rest of his college experience and a little bit after, he kept investing in others, particularly college students, pouring into them and seeing other guys grow. And not only that, he started hearing, he and his wife started hearing this whisper from the Lord to go out to all nations, to other nations and other people groups that don't have the gospel. And they said yes. And literally just a couple months ago, they were sent out to a nation, I can't tell you publicly because this is recorded, um, to a place that there's very, very, very few believers. And he's, gonna, he's still saying yes to this call. And just share that as an as a example, as a story, again, to communicate who knows what's on the other side of our yes if we say yes to this invitation to go and make disciples. There are people. There are fam- future families. There are nations on the other side of our yes that are going to have a chance to respond to Jesus. And guys, this is our greatest invitation. There's nothing better. There's no movement better to be a part of than this discipleship movement that Jesus started. There is no business. There is no school. There's no organization that's more excited to be a part of than what God is doing all over the earth. He is writing a beautiful story that he's been writing for thousands of years, and it's coming to a climax. Jesus is coming. But until he comes, he said, go and preach the gospel to all nations. Make disciples. And then the end will come. And I just want us to be a people. I'm inviting you guys in with me. Let's say yes again. Whatever it looks like. And it starts small. Whatever it looks like, let's be people that say yes. I want to be a disciple, but I want to go out and make disciples. So let me pray for us. And I'm going to give us an opportunity to respond. So just posture your heart before the Lord. God, would you give us a yes today? Lord, would you give us a yes? 
Lord, I confess my weakness. I confess the things that want to get in the way of my fears. But Lord, I pray that what would prevail would be a, a yes in my spirit. Would you do that across the room, Lord? And I thank you that you promised in this great commission that you would be with us always. You don't leave us out to dry on this journey. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this room. In Jesus' name.